Okay, we'll start it. I'm gonna start recording so that we start off randomly. But this will give me something to cut into too. So it's like I just. But it, it's, it's funny because uh, we was talking before about like finding a way to stand on your own too. You know what I mean? And like when I was when I was 24, let's say for example, I was trying to be my boy's manager. He was a rapper, and I was like, yo. This nigga could rap. You know what I mean? Because the nigga could rap. Like, he, he's, he's nasty with it. But what happens is they... I just started focusing on his shit. Like, it was like, yo, let's focus on your shit. Let's focus on your shit. Let's focus on your shit. And I'm over here, like, I'm booking shows for him. I'm, like, planning shows. Like, I'm I'm helping him with beats, looking for features, doing all this bullshit. And then, and, and then at one point, it was just kind of like he wasn't feeling it no more. He wasn't really trying to put out music like that. And then now I'm just standing there on my hands. I'm sitting on my hands like, oh, shit. Like, I just spent four, five, six years trying to, like, help you build your shit. And it's like never had a chance to build my shit. So it was kind of like it was a good wake-up call to say, like, hold up. I know that I want to do something in media. Like, I know that that's the space I want to be in. I have to find something that's going to work for me. And that's how we got heads. Eggs on everything. Right it was just like, yo, I'm Eggy, by the way. Thank and you, nice to meet you, <laughs> with me today is my boy, Julio Diaz. Thank you for having me, bro. A pleasure. Pleasure to have you, bro. And I mean, we've been chopping it up for a while now. It was running late. So we we, we friends now. We boys. Right <laughs> like, like now we more than just two niggas in a room with microphones. You feel me? That's a fact. Um, so Julio, you've been doing comedy for three years. Yes, sir. Tell me about your first time on stage. First time on stage, so I've been taking, um, I took four or five, no, four sessions of improv classes. Intro to Hip Hop Improv by Cypher Sounds. Ooh. So when I joined that class, I met four other people, and we became really cool and shit. Long story short, it's about six months or six months into the friendship, only one of us, Julio Rivera, had this stand-up for like six months prior to the class, right? So we all looking at him because he has the most experience and shit. Little do we know, one day we go to the stand for an open mic. They had an open mic every Tuesday. Um, one of us, Tone, he's the more initiative. That's why I like having little friendships because um, if you don't fall into the trap of, damn, we all got to do it. If you don't fall into that trap and just understand everybody is doing it already yeah. and y'all really just mesh because y'all help each other out, then then it works. So long story short, you can learn from the other people you're with. Tone is more initiative. Julio had more experience. He was, he's like a wiser, I would call him a wiser version of me. So when he's doing certain moves, I'm like, okay, I need to see and watch. Um, Trinidad, shout out to Trinidad. He does all the audio stuff. He had the audio technician. He was into hip hop and he did yeah. the beats and all that shit. So he already has something established and he already sort of chased the dream out. Excuse me. Wait, which dream? Like uh, uh, of producing music or like? Yeah, he was like a producer. He made his own beats, and then he had a rapper, like you said. Mm -hmm. Excuse me, bro. And he was it's all right, bro. You can burp. It's cool. Don't worry. About it. It's it's a natural conversation, and sometimes in conversations, niggas burp. You feel me? <laughs> you know what I, mean? <laughs> I just I don't I don't want to I want to excuse the the emptiness in voice. Like yo, he timing what he's saying and shit. <laughs> but um, yeah, Trinidad had did his old producer stuff. So like um. The reason why I'm saying it like that is because I don't, I don't want, I don't know the whole detail, right? So I don't want to just, oh, this is what he did. I'll let him speak for himself. But from what I know, he he chased out a dream in that, um, and it transitioned into this dream. So I learned from what he been through because he already knows how to deal with certain business in entertainment. Okay. And then uh, I have another friend named Evan. He's more experienced in the YouTube. He had a big YouTube following, and he had stand up for four years and stuff. 
Um, so we go to the stand one day, and Tone took the initiative, and he wrote all our names down. Mm. We hadn't met Evan at the time, so we'll excuse him from the story. So it was me, Tone, Trinidad, and Julio. Me and Trinidad never gone up, but I was taking, I had three years worth of color notes. That's an app yeah. on my phone of just things that I found were funny. I was just scared to take that step, in a sense. Right. So he was like, yo, you ready? I signed you up. That was his first time, too. And I'm looking at him like, yo, thank you, bro. Most people be like, oh, fuck you. I'll be like, yo, thank you, bro. I'm with it. I already had something. Yeah, I just didn't have the confidence for yeah. it. Yeah. Went up. First story I said, I had told one of my boys from life, like one of my good friends, this, this story. And he was dying laughing. But I already know he's dying because he knows the character. He knows me. So when you're on stage for the first time, you're not. Some of us do, but I didn't want to let that out because I wanted to let out um, what I thought was funny. I know okay. I'm funny, in a sense. Like, I'm a funny character. I look funny, whatever the case is. Um, I've always been fat, so I, I know how to cut my own ass, in a sense. Yeah. Like, fat survival in high school was serious. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> if you can make the fat joke first, then you good for the whole class, because what can they say he left? You feel me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's kind of like the eight-mile shit. Like, it's like, yo. Yes. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, if I shit on me, these jokes is what? Oh, yeah, yeah I know, bro. You're wasting your breath. yeah. So. Nice. So let me ask you real quick before we even get to your actual like first show. What was what was the the stand up that you did the the improv class? Uh, intro to hip hop improv hosted by Cipher Sounds, and uh, another improv teacher. His name is Christian Capazzoli. Okay. And how'd you hear about that? Um, so I had lost my job and I was in a six months sort of depression type shit. So I was just watching mad stand-up, mad stand-up. And when uh, Cypher Stones, while he was still on Hot 97, he had something called the Comedy Corner. The Comedy Corner is him and basically the the way the camera angle looked, the comedians were in the corner and he couldn't come up with a name. So he's like, Comedy Corner, Comedy Corner. Right. Yeah. And then I remember just watching that shit religiously and then um, he had Kevin Hart one time on and it was, you know, motivational. You know how Kevin is. So I needed to watch that. Yeah. And Cypher had mentioned something, how he does improv. I went to his thing, uh, his website, and there was a thing saying, hey, I'm doing an improv class. Sign up here if you want to. And it was the same day it was happening. So I'm, I'm big into the secret. I'm like, yo, I find this shit on the same day. I'm going to do it. Stop banging on the table. My bad, bro. It's all right. I get hyped. I was trying to, I was trying to figure out how to give you like a good signal, but nah, it was it's just like, just, just stop banging it. on the table. But I like that because you went pathetic. You, you feeling this yeah. right now? It's like, it's like you went back to that six month depression and you was like, yo, bro, I signed up that day, <laughs> and he was looking for people that day. Heard so up. you just signed right up. It was, it was free, or you had to pay? Nah, I had to pay, but I was with it. I had $50. How, how long was it? It was uh, four weeks, one class each week, fifty dollars, I think. Oh, that's that's not bad. I think it was fifty, or maybe it was two hundred fifty each class, some shit like that. But so, I was with it, bro. Yeah, it was uh, an investment. What you what you feel like you got out of that class? What was like the biggest like thing that you got out of that class? Confidence to just I didn't know nobody in that class, and at that point in time in life, I only embraced people that I felt like like okay, in school you have to sort of be around other people in a sense, right? So, yeah. you know, you you get to know people. But that class was my first time ever in life taking an initiative to go out on my own. And I didn't know how to introduce myself to people. I, I, I was better reserved. I like being, you know, laid back and just yeah. not interacting in a sense. Yeah, like playing the cut. Yeah. Like using the cut. So there was something else that you said before we even get to your show. Because I need to know whether you bombed or not. But before we even get there, you said if you meet up with people 
and you don't fall into the trap. What's the trap that you talking about? Not fall into what trap? There's a, it's like a, a group mindset or the group like people fall in love with their friends and they're like, I can't go further. I have to bring my people with me. We all need to do it. Like you yeah. have to let that go because you can't save other people. That's one. It's like you and the person you was helping his raps. Yeah. You did everything for him. You almost made it easy for him. Yeah. That's why he quit. Mmm, damn. I feel like you just psychoanalyzed me right now. I, I, and you look me dead in my eye too. That's crazy. I feel I like you're right. I, I go through I go through the same, bro. Trust me. So it's like basically you have to kind of learn how to like just kind of say, yo, the best thing I could do for this person is to do something for myself. Because mm -hmm. it's like you're, you're in that group of friends with, with Trinidad and, and Julio and, and what's the other T? Tone. Tone. And you're watching them and you're watching them do them and through them doing them, that's kind of like Inspiring. putting you on your shit. Hurry it up. All right. Now talk to me about going on stage. He signed you up. You got all these color notes on deck. I already felt a little confident. So, like, uh, I played basketball before. I didn't practice. Yeah. So it made sense why I was always nervous in the game. Okay. I wasn't ready for anything. Yeah. But in my head when I was younger, I was like, oh, I'm just nervous. I paid too much mind to that. Yeah. So as I got older, so long story short, I had my practice in a sense of I had the practice is open mic. But mm -hmm. it starts before that. It starts with your writings. I already at least had something to feel confident about. So when I went up, now it's just practicing it. And that's the hard thing about stand-up is practice is actually practicing in front of people. Everybody wants to have something established. Like, oh, yeah. I want this to be funny. No, I'm sorry. It don't work like that. You can find the funny, sure, and that's what you need to work with. But not everybody needs to find it funny just because you said it. No, that's not how it's going to work. So, like, the written is, like, shooting in the gym. Shooting the day, yeah. So that's you by yourself or going to the gym, going to the park, and just shooting around. Mm -hmm. But then the open mics it's are, like, actual. it's, like, pickup games. Exactly. That's, like, you going to the park and you asking the dude that's also shooting, like, yo, what's up? You want to run one-on-one? Yo, y'all want to run a three-man, four-man, whatever? And then that's, so that's kind of, like, where you start to... Uh, I guess for lack of a better term Like your in-game management Like you mm -hmm. could expect What niggas are doing Because you're used to playing These three-on-threes Or two-on-twos Or whatever the case is It's more like um, Okay, so Individual practice in basketball Would be 50 right-hand dribbles 50 left-hand dribbles 50 cross back and forth, right? Yeah That's the working on your jokes at home Okay. Bang, 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 running my 50 sprints So that when I go to practice Because when we practice We're working, if not at game uh, game speed even harder right so when we get to the game there's nothing that we haven't been through same thing in in, in comedy so i'm working on my jokes at home so much so so that at least when i go to the practice the open mic i don't have to just bomb yeah because bombing is still learning i can at least bomb constructively or productively like yeah, I, I felt like I bombed energy-wise, but, ooh, I heard this is something new that I said. This is something new that I did. Same thing in the basketball game when you go to these practices. After you worked on your right hand to left crossover, you go to a three-on-three, four-on-four, and you try it. You've never done it before, but you practice it so much, you, you fucking have to do it. Because yeah. now everything you worked on at home, just like in basketball, you have to relate it or find how you're going to do that in the game. That's why your professional basketball players – they work on a certain thing. Your Ray Allen, them coming around the corner threes, because they know in the game it's gonna be set up for them like that. That's why they practice that. Yeah. So your comedians like Patrice, off the top of the dome, so much so that that's almost like his skill set. Yeah. 
and so that's you, a you deadly one to have. <laughs> bro, that's a, I couldn't even wait till you know. So <laughs> yeah, that's perfect, bro. That's right. I, I love Patrice, and that's gonna be one of our matchups later. So it's gonna be perfect because we gonna dig into him a lot. Um, so I, I love this basketball and comedy analogy. Love this basketball analogy. <laughs> love this basketball and comedy analogy because it, it kind of it presents like a direct line. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, and ana analogies are great for that, and metaphors are great for that. And I feel like that with, with with the show, a lot of what I wanted to do was to be able to get practical advice on top of like, you know, getting to know the comedians and and and, ha and speaking with them and talking about specials is also leaving with some practical advice. Like, if I do decide to ever write a fire five minutes and do a open mic, I got like all these notes that I took from people that already did it. You know what I mean? So. You did your you did your fifty rights, fifty left dribbles, some crossovers. You at the stand, you pick up that mic, you go up there. What's the reception like? Uh, I bombed, of course. Yeah. But um, it was it was like I said, a productive bomb. Okay. So like at least I had something formatted out, so that I understood um. In a sense, I had something to work on after the after the open mic. Right. Okay. And I wasn't just, oh, my God, I bombed, but with no answer. Like Jay said, yeah, it's an L if I don't learn from it because I'm going to make the same mistake. Mm -hmm. But if, if if it's an L and I learn from it, it was just bound to happen. Now I'm going to flip it to a win. Right. So I was bombed. I was, everybody is bound to bomb in life if you've never done it before. Right, right, right. right. And how long before your next show after that? I'm, it's crazy because I was dead ass thinking about that this week. At that time in my life, the first year of comedy, I was there as only going one time every week because I was relying on the on the team. On the team, yeah. I was only making moves in the team. Mm, okay. So we could only go every Tuesday. We right because that's that's when everybody was available. Right, but I could have gone every day like I am, or I try to every day now. Nice. Okay. So what what did it take for you? So so it sounds like you was in the trap a little bit too. Like that's you why was, I'm so you passionate was, that, about it. So what did it take to get you out of that trap? Like when when did the switch flip and say, yo, you know what? Like I, I like I, I love this group and we can move as a group and I'm down to go with y'all every Tuesday, but I'm also going Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, Monday if I'm available. You know what I mean? Paying attention to my life cycles, seeing the synchronicity in my life. I am a there. I am a team player. My favorite um, player growing up was Steve Nash. I just love getting everybody involved. It makes life easier. My only problem is relying. My my biggest problem with Steve Nash was I felt like in certain moments of the game you shoot it, but he didn't. He would look for the pass because in his head that was the right thing to do. Right. So I look out for my friends. I'm always gonna do the right thing, but so much so that I forgot to do it for myself. You know, I'm gonna go every Tuesday with my friends. That, doesn't mean I have to take away from my Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Also, it doesn't mean that I have to put it on them, too. Yeah. You feel me? It's always just an individual thing. Like, yeah, I'm I'm, while I'm trying to, okay, so like in the secret I learned, you save yourself before you save others. Why? Because you're not actually helping somebody out if you're not helped. You, yeah. You know, like, or like in my relationships with, um, that failed, this one girl taught me, or I've, I've learned going with it, like, you can't show somebody love if you haven't loved yourself. It's like yeah. an empty cup trying to fill an empty cup. You got to fill up your cup. She so told you, you that actually, shit? I don't know if she told me that, but it's something that... But that's what, but that's what, that's what you got from it. Word up. That's like, dope. You know? 
That's dope. And it's mad true. It's like when, when the airplanes are crashing. You know what I mean? You got to make sure you secure your air mask before you try to secure your kid's air mask because you don't want to die on the kid. Right. Ain't nobody going to help them afterwards. Exactly. So fast forward, you're, you're, you're doing more days now. Uh, you know what I'm saying? You're also, you're also doing shit with your friends. You're doing as much as you could. Talk to me about your writing process. Um, you mentioned the color notes and color notes. Is that like a is that an app or is that yeah. a specific type of note? Color uh, color note is an app for Samsung on the PlayStation. Okay, and what how how do you use the app? Like and I, and I'm talking practically. Like let's say you find something funny, something funny. You know you you're at work or whatever. You walk in somewhere. You on the train. Something pops in your head and it's funny. How much of it do you write? All of it. So okay. Like, Color Note is my favorite app to use because I just need it. You need to find something that quickly replaces paper because paper is so easily accessible. Right. That's why everybody tells you have a notebook and a pen because it is literally from mind to pen to paper. Right. ASAP. There's no, uh, let me take out my phone. Let me look through my apps. Let me do the, in that people, short span time, you, people don't pay attention no more. That's why you have your 15-second Instagram videos. That's why you have your ad in between. Yeah. The fucking people just don't pay attention. And in matters of seconds, people will know whether they're going to like a video or not. I'm going to skip it. Four seconds. Mm -hmm. you, do your, you do the same to your thoughts. If you don't write it down right away, then what happens after that? That's not really that funny. It's kind of mm, corny. Yo, that, sh that, that shit happens a lot. Mm -hmm. Like, because there's mad moments just, like, in a group of friends where it's kind of like, oh, that's a funny skit right there. Oh, that's fucking funny. But if you don't put it on paper right then and there, that's when over. you try to revisit it later, you're like, oh, I guess that's it was one of those had-to-be-there moments. Right. No, and it, it's not. And it's perfect that you said it like that. It's not that you had to be there moments. It's that the energy was right in that moment, and you're never going to match it again after. So mm. you have to at least try to... Put it on something so that later when you're revisiting it, you're not revisiting it from the energy that you're feeling then. You're like almost living it back again. Like, oh shit, I remember. That's so why I be so, I'm banging on the table because I, I've, I've learned to just stay aware so that later on in life, I literally have vivid flashbacks. And I'm like, oh shit, wow, that's crazy. So, so you, so something funny happens, you write. All that you could remember, everything that you could capture, everything that you feel made it funny at that moment. Yep. Now, even sounds, even if I feel like I don't have a word to it, I at least try to mumble it because I know as I'm reading it down, I'm like, oh, I remember this. And then yeah. I'll let us have a playback. Okay. So then let me ask you, when do you revisit them? As frequent as possible because I try to hit open mics. Like it, I try to hit open mics every day and I also try to hit mics that I've been to already because I'm building a... Not that I'm building a following, but I'm building good uh, bridges with people. Okay. So, like, I fucks with some people from Brooklyn. Like, shout-outs to Skip from BK. He runs a really good open mic scene. He always gets good following and shit, but, you know, he gets a good following. So, I've been to his shows twice, mm -hmm. and I already, you, I already went up 10, time, uh, 10 minutes each. So, that's already 20 minutes of material of mine. Right. They're going to know. And he, so He got at least 20 minutes on deck. No, me. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like they'll know, like, yo, Julio got Julio got twenty minutes. Like if they need a five or they need a ten, like That's two. But um, what I'm trying to say is like his fans already they're gonna remember it. They're just gonna remember it. Especially since I did good. Mm hmm It's like a Kevin Hart. You remember he has a daughter, you remember he has a son. So I have a lot of family shit. They're like, oh, I remember this. I remember that. Yeah. So if I'm not gonna say the same set, I have to at least mix it up. So I'm always working on different mixes and shit and and you have to revisit them little jokes that don't have no actual 
they can't stand alone. You know, I have jokes that can stand alone, and then I have little filler jokes. Or little okay, give me give me more details on that because I don't know. Like I like got you. Yeah. So my fault. This is just my main analogy to go to. Yeah, it's just my thing. Apply it to. Why you said my fault? I feel like this is about to go way I don't left. Want it, I don't want it to make it a basketball conversation. <laughs> oh no, I I love the basketball through. analogy because I feel like anyone. I hope un- so. Like That's... most people understand basketball. But you some know. people hit basketball, they get lost. But I'm just trying to say everything relates to everything. Yeah. Change up the basketball and, and just, I'm so, basically, um, I have a good right-to-left crossover. That's, okay. in my sense, a standalone joke. That could easily stand alone. I could constantly hit them with that right-to-left. But I have a nice little um, left in and out, but I don't know how to use it. I just okay. have a nice little left in and out. One day I, I'm playing in a game and I already hit this motherfucker with three right to, can I curse? Yeah, of course, bro. I already hit this dude with three right to lefts. He already knows it's coming. Oh shit, right to left, left, in and out. Oh, like you add the little the little in and out right there to kinda break the predictability of uh, of the right to left. That and you knew it fit. It just fit with the flow. Mm. So I don't always have to do that now. I don't always have to go right to left, left, in and out. Yeah. I just know how to make my my moves now work with each other. Because now, let's say I'm in a different game. Same dude's trying to play defense on me. He's going to know, oh, he likes right to left, right to left, and then every now and then right to left, left, in and out. Yeah. Guess what I'm going to do? Right to left, left, in and out, left to right. Yeah. And then constantly just. So, just... so I guess like it, it's like it's like building blocks. Yes. It's like each. So you have, you have smaller jokes. And it's about, it's it's like uh like Tetris like trying to find yes. where the fucking right. small jokes fit in with the bigger jokes and where this bigger joke could turn to this small joke and then piecing it all together. So you're doing you're doing open mics as regularly as you can. Uh, you you try to go every day. Uh, do you set out specific times for writing? Like do you say yo, you know Tuesday afternoon I'm gonna spend two hours writing. I'm going to keep it as real as possible because that's the best that's been working for me. I need to set myself up like that. I need to. Right now in my life, I'm uh, I'm slacking a little. Mm-hmm. But with that being said, what you just said is a huge fact. Um, I've been being I'm a little lazy, and I haven't actually sat at home and just try to piece everything for real, for real. Yeah. But with that being said, Huge facts. So you, you must set that. Time. But that is the goal. The goal is to find space yes. where you where you're consistently visiting your writing, as a matter of like work, essentially. Like it's like clocking into work. Right. Exactly. And that's why I'm slacking on it. That's the <laughs> actual work. Just slacking on your job. And it's sad because it'll make my life so much easier. Cause now I'm going to these shows and mics, and I'm last minute trying to do shit. And I'm good at that. Yeah. But imagine if I was already doing that to begin with, then my last minute energy where I'm like, okay, let's, that's a clutch factor. I'm good at being clutch because I was always, uh, what's that word um, where you leave everything for the end? Uh, procrastinator. I was a huge procrastinator. But, you know, you start to work around your habits. So I was really, it, it made me more clutch. So I was leaving shit for the last minute to where, I really applied myself that last minute. And I really put in that work, and I always paid attention in class to begin with. Yeah. So that's why I get I I'm slacking in comedy in a sense of the work, but I'm getting away with it right now because I'm only three years in, 
and I'm really good at what I know, in a sense. But I cannot do what I know 20 years in. Hell no. Yeah. That's whack. You a sucker for that. Right. So it's like it's like to elevate your game, you know that you need to take it to that next step, which is the regular the actual fucking work. mandatory writing. Like yes, even sir. if you have no idea what you're going to write, just sitting in front of whatever your writing utensil is and just sit there and fucking write, pound it out for two hours, and then that's it. Yep, you're three beats a day for three summers. Three beats a day for three summers. What that means? That's that Kanye line. I did three beats a day for three summers. Oh, okay. So imagine you. He's Rap fan? I'm a rap fan, but I don't want to make it such because I know that there's real rap heads in a sense. Yeah. Like they know. But I, I'm good at listening or taking in information and seeing what applies to me mm-hmm. or just breaking it down to where I apply in that. Yeah. So, like, I'll remember really good lines. Yeah. Because it made so much sense. There, I, that shit happens to me all the time where I'm kind of like, so I'm not going to say I'm a big rap fan just because I'm not like a hip hop purist or nothing like that, but I was a huge Jay Z fan. So it's like there's just random conversations that I have all the time where I'm just like, well, you know, Jay-Z said, uh, don't argue with fools because people from a distance can't tell who is who. You know what I'm saying? I'm just like an old nigga talking in rhymes and shit. (laughs) So I have to like be like, yo, nah, that's a Jay-Z line, bro. You know what I mean? Like that's the only reason it rhymes. I don't just speak this way all the time. So I want to ask you, I want to ask you about, so... Uh, one of the other interviews I did, the dude was telling me about comedy is tragedy plus time. Right so up. tragedy plus time equals comedy. Mm-hmm. And I guess, I guess the basis of that is that in these tragic events, over time, you're able to find the comedy in them. Does that come into your joke writing ever? So basically, um, on the real, um, I've been dealing with a little depression. I've been always a little depressed in my life. Not to say it in some, uh, but to say, like, mental health is a big thing. Mm-hmm. And one of my biggest uh, comfort zones is depression because it, it allows that procrastination to really set in. I'm so depressed where I'm like, what's the point of even doing something? That I, I broke out of that because now I'm like, oh, I'm just favoring that. Yeah. I'm actually favoring that animal instead of breaking out of depression. Which okay. Is act, uh, act, for me, is activity. It's staying active. Because once that engine is running, I don't want to go backwards. Might as well keep going forward. Oh, so that's an interesting way to look at it. Like, you're just kind of like, when, 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 so you're, the, the, the feelings of depression uh, kind of enable your procrastination. Yeah. So it's like, it's just, it just makes it easy for you to favor, excuse me, doing nothing. You know what I mean? And just being like, yo, fuck this. I'm not doing this. It's not worth it, et cetera. Well, when you break into activity, though, does that energy ever come into your jokes and help you with your joke? That 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 same energy of like the mental health and breaking out of it. Uh, yeah, because then um, you start to pay attention to yourself and in, in little habits or little things or feelings. It's all messages. It's like we're the computer, and constant thoughts or constant feelings is just messages. You can receive the message, but you don't have to just apply the message at all times. You could feel depressed, have the message, there's another message coming of positivity or whatever the case is. Right. There's going to be another message. So don't let that sink in. We're also creatures of habit, and we want to follow a habit because it makes us feel comfortable. So if you're a creature of not doing anything, your body will literally send that message of depression because it knows after that you're not going to want to do nothing. Mm. Damn, you will, huh? 
that's crazy but but i love i love the way you're, you're framing this in terms of like receiving the messages and which ones you use and how you use which ones you get uh that is very empowering in a sense so it's like that uh so do you feel like you're you have good work that comes from that depressive area or do you kind of just avoid it in your comedy not work with like that's that's the main call callback is like um since I know that's something that I deal with, let me paint mine to what comes out of it and not just the non stuff. So like um uh my depression will leave me um it left me not wanting to be involved, but that made me more observant. Yeah. It made me observe more before I talked. So my funniness doesn't just come from my thoughts, it comes from what I see. And that's what makes it relatable, which is huge in comedy. You can be funny and have your own thing. It's always subjective. But if you can break it down so fine, like, I'm trying to use big words, but, like, real simple and not so you, complex, you can find more relatable hits. So, like, not everybody has to know your whole joke, like, in a sense of get the whole thing. But if you can get little pieces, bing, 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 it's still a laugh in the flow. Right. And one person multiplies into many in a crowd so if you got one person laughing at something then another person laughing at something after that it's a constant laughter building boom 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 constant energy so not one person i don't have to focus on one person liking all of my shit right i just have to put all my shit out there so simple that one person can get something from it right so it's like i like that i like that that's that's dope to know another formula that i came across was Truth plus exaggeration equals a joke. Yes. Everything comes from a little bit of truth, right? But here's the thing, like, not everybody cares about you like that. Yeah. And not but everybody should. Who you know? So some people will tell you this long-winded story because you're their friend and they feel like you have to listen to the whole truth. But in comedy it's not like that. Especially when you're on stage talking on a microphone, get to the fucking point. I'm not gonna actually listen to you throughout this whole thing. Yeah. So you have your truth, and you want to, like I said, cut the fat. So most comics, they start off with a story, right? But if you're really professional, you cut out the whole story, and you're left with just a little boom. Yeah. Because that was just the funny part. Now, what you do is, um, damn, bro, I lost my track. <laughs> got you, though. You got time, bro. Don't worry about it. We ain't going nowhere. Damn. I lost my track on that one. What was the question you just asked? So basically it was truth plus exaggeration equals a joke. Right. That's where the exaggeration comes. You cut the fat, excuse me, so much that you're left with something really funny, but it only took up a little bit of time. And what happens is people want more from that. So that's what you want. You don't want to feed them all. Your joke shouldn't have to be a full meal. Your joke should be like a an appetizer, an appetizer leading to your first course, leading to this, to that, to your ultimate main course. Right. Let's, let's say um, I put out an appetizer. Somebody really likes that. Um, what they say, uh, you get caught up in a tangent, mm -hmm. and that's okay. And um, the exaggeration comes in when you have something finite like an appetizer, but people really like it. What are you going to do? In the moment, you're just going to exaggerate it. Yeah. And you're, you're going to go make with that it. Bigger. Or like at home, if you write something, or let's say I take a color note and I have a little piece, uh, just the truth, something that really happened at work. Then later I go home and I'm like, how is that really funny though to everybody? That like I got a lot of little FedEx funny jokes, and yeah. at, at the depot I'm killing it. Now everybody's a FedEx driver. 
So how can I use those little bit of truths and exaggerate them to something that everybody wants to pay attention to? And, yeah, and, and find the relatability. Like, make it simple enough so that you don't have to drive this truck with me to know where I'm coming from when I say Steven stubbed his toe. I don't know. But so all of those things seem valid. And, and, and I really love the way you, you're kind of like breaking shit down with, with these metaphors because it's really helpful to kind of driving the, the point home. Um, what I wanted to ask you, though, was how do you know when a joke is good without anyone telling you that it's good? You like it because we're so big on criticizing ourselves. If you find like, yo, I really like this, run with it because you allowed it to happen for yourself. You, you know? Yeah. So like I'm big on just doubting myself. But every now and like my phone, I get real hype when I get positive. But lately I've been showing myself that love in the sense of like every now and then I look in the mirror, I'm like, oh, I like the way I look today. Yeah. And I'll run with that feeling. Yeah. So the same thing with my jokes. I used to be like, oh, man, I don't know. I feel... But now I'm like, something so simple. I'll write something and I'm like, I don't know what's gonna come from this, but I trust myself that I'm gonna make something happen. Yeah. And that's how you know you got something. At least something to where you trust yourself to make something. You feel me? Like, um, it's not what you're gonna get. It's just what you have. That's the only thing you can work with. Yeah. So let me, uh, before, cause uh, you've heard of Bill Hicks, right? Mm -hmm. All right, and Bill Hicks is, uh, he's a comedian from the late 80s, early 90s. And, and I've been using these pretty much since the first episode or second episode. I've been using these uh, his 12 principles of comedy. And I want to get into those. Which we're gonna, does it, you, you familiar with them? Yes, sir. Perfect. So that, that's perfect because I want you to take us through them. Uh, once. We, but before we get there, I want to ask you about your podcast. I run a podcast with Trinidad and Julio's called TJ Squared. Obviously T and then two Julio's. Um, we're on episode, bro, uh, like 90 or something. We've been yeah. The first, like, as soon as we started stand-up, we really meshed us three, and we started doing the, the podcast. And what's the, what's the podcast like? Like, I, I, I'm not telling you to sell me on it, but it's like, I, I like the way you talk, and I'm assuming that your friends talk the same way, and I'm, I'm interested in hearing it, but I want to know what it's about. Like, what's it like? Like, you talking about pop culture, you talking about hip-hop, you talking about just comedy. Like, what are you guys talking about on this show? So basically, the podcast is me coming up with these big, deep thoughts and them shitting. Nah, I'm playing. That's what. <laughs> That's I, what it feels like. <laughs> yo, bro, I, you know, I, I smoke and I, I'm real elaborated and I like to talk, but I like to, I like to get to the point. Yeah. But sometimes, especially since they're my friends, I give them all the detail. Like right, right now, bro, I'm really just breaking it down because this is your podcast, and I just want to make it real simple. Yeah. But with them. I don't give a fuck about simpleness. I'm trying to all let right. it all... You know, it's like an open mic for me. Dope. I, yo, so you be getting hot? All right, I got a tangent for you. You a religious man? Uh, I grew up, you know, and I went to Catholic school and stuff. Um, I don't want to say, I don't believe in it, but what I want to say is I dibble-dabble on everything. So, all yeah, right. I, right. I know what I'm talking about religion. Yo, you know what I was thinking the other day? And, and this is like wondering which I would thoughts. What if, like, by the time they find concrete proof of Jesus people look at our current religions or like i'm catholic i was raised catholic so that's why i'm referencing jesus here but it's like by the time they find like the actual jesus people look at our religions the way we look at ancient religions like where it's kind of like we look at uh um 
polytheistic religions and we're just like that's crazy that's crazy them niggas just wilding what they had a tree god they wild so like we went fully mono monotheotic and then that's that's just our shit it's one god one dude controlling everything right but what if like what if that changes yo like what's going and if that changes what do you think the new religion would look like and this shit got nothing to do with I got nothing to do with nah, nothing. Cool. I'm just like wondering. I was tangent. wondering about that. Like, what what do you think the new religion would look like? The new religion is basically just full understanding of what's going on. So, like, I feel personally that religion. Yo, was, you answered this shit mad quick. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, go ahead, go go go. So the new one. Because this is something that I'll be working on. So yeah. like, I feel like religion is um was uh okay. I feel like the powers that be right now. Yeah. They came from the powers that be then. That's just how it works. Mm. The rich put on the rich. The rich they give to their kids. It just it's just a constant flow. So like somebody with a lot of money now, it's not because they came into that, in a sense. It's something that was built towards that. You just happen to be the son of such and such. Okay. But he's the son of such and such and such and such. And that line of that lineage in that family built that your donald trump yeah. or your uh rockefeller or your what's that that guy that once everybody talks about illuminati they talk about him the rothschilds the rothschilds family everybody's like, oh rothschild owns this and that but that's something that so they already owned stuff back then which was the most important right mm -hmm. so like people in williamsburg that have a lot of money it's because they bought property in the 70s when it wasn't worth anything right but nobody thinks about that only the rich do only people with money do long story short um, I feel like religion was created back then by the rich to control people that didn't have anything. When you don't have anything, you have nothing to lose. And back then there wasn't modern medicine or whatever, whatever. People were dying at 30, 40, or 50. So they're going to go crazy. Like, um, the only thing stopping people from going crazy now, really, is religion. Nobody wants to go to hell. And um, you don't want to get arrested. You know, it's that punishment factor. Hey, if you yeah. do this, this will happen. That's in religion. Hey, if you do this, this will happen. That's in real life or in prison. Because um, nobody, uh, we all feel morally, you know, we're morally guided and morally yeah. But when you, like, don't, just are not not aware of that or don't give a fuck, if you really just flow with the urges, your sexual urges, your drug urges or whatever the case is or, like, what they tell you when they rob you. They tell you, yo, bro, I had to rob you because I didn't have nothing. Yeah. That's an urge. You ain't have, right. you know, I don't have nothing in a sense, but that's why I wake up for FedEx. Right. Now everybody's going to think like that. Okay. So to catch the rest of this conversation, TJ Squared. Facts. On iTunes. That's you guys on uh, anywhere else? SoundCloud, Spotify, SoundCloud, Anything? all of that. iTunes, Trinidad. Shout out to Trinidad. He got us hooked up. Got all of that. hooked up everywhere. Flag. So I want to hear. I want to hear what these conversations sound like on this show. Now that was a good promo for it. Now let's get back to this comedy bullshit and let's talk about Bill Hicks' Twelve Principles. And I want you to take us to through some of these principles and start us at the top since you're already a bit familiar with them. Shout out to Bill Hicks. These are Bill Hicks' uh, principles of comedy, and this is just a quick rundown. Rule number one, if you can be yourself on stage, nobody else can be you, and you have the law of supply and demand covered. That is a huge fact. That is the biggest fact. That's, <laughs> that's, why, that's number one. That's like the biggest? That's the, that's the Patrice O'Neill top of the dome. Yeah. What, what do you mean, like, the, the top of the dome? Your jokes is not what makes you funny. You're funny. Your jokes is the ammo or the, uh, the, the bullets. Yeah. You're the gun. Mm, okay, that's a, dope way to, that's a dope way to put it. What's rule number two? 
Rule number two, the act is something you fall back on if you can't think of anything else to say. Yeah. A lot of people have a, a good tight five-minute set. Mm-hmm. What else? You ever done more than five minutes? Or what are you going to do when people seen that five minutes already? So so I guess what, what you fall... So your jokes... The act is something you fall back on. So So basically, you go on stage ready to say anything. Yes. Ready to ready to come off the dome, ready to go up there and be funny, and your act is just there as a safety net, pretty much. It's it's what I would like to say, so he says fall back on. Mm-hmm. Um what I would like to say, it's a guide. Yeah. You don't want to make your jokes your path. Cause then when certain things don't happen that you already had lined out, like an expectation to happen, what's gonna happen? You're gonna yeah. fall. You're gonna be like, "Oh my god!" Or like sometimes I'll fuck up a joke that leads to something else. Yeah. Now I can't lead it, or now what do I say? So and okay, so so that so do you write pauses in your jokes like for laughs? Nah, and somebody told me that like a really good friend of mine, shout out to Mike, a coworker. He said, "Julio, I'm a big fan, but you ramble like right now. I I get too hyped up and I yeah. ramble over." I don't actually give people time to take in the message I just gave them. Ah, okay. So you do have to kind of space it out and preemptively kind of guess where a laugh would be expected. Or just, okay, a laugh should never be expected. What Mm. should be expected is attention. Pay attention to this. This is what I want you to pay attention to. Ah. So sometimes you'll say something. You have to give them time. You have to give them time to get the message. So fill in that void with a facial expression. Let them know why you just said why you said. Everything is important. Don't just ramble because it's a piece. It's a whole message. Yeah. So when you're like Chris Rock, what he does is he'll say it again. Yeah. Such and such and such. Such and such and such. He really wants you to get that because then when he hits you with what's coming after that, you are on the same path as him. Okay. Got it. What other what what other principles we got on there? Take it take because these principles have a flow to them, right? Yes, they all connect. Like just like a set, these all connect. And at the end, he hits us with a nice little callback for the last one. Uh, joke uh, number three: Only do what you think is funny. Never never just what you think they'll like, even though it's not funny to you. Don't feed somebody um, what you think they're gonna like, because then when they don't like it, you're asked out. Also, people can tell when you're doing something that's not you. So don't like uh, hood crowds is a is a real thing. Like you go to these shows in Brooklyn and it's in the hood and shit. That's a real factor. It it really is. It's a different crowd and stuff than your crowds in in a show like in Broadway Comedy Club. Yeah, because these have a, a a energy already. People come into a comedy club. They're expecting the people there to be okay. People at hood at like hood things and stuff like that. Most of the time, bro, like they going because they there in a sense, right? So, like, they don't really care about you on that stage. Not yeah. to make it disrespectful, but, like, yo, you better bring it, bro. Like, is, is it a more uphill battle? It, it is, and it's it's well-deserved. Mm. I've done okay at those shows and felt just as good as when I fucking killed it at Broadway Comedy Club. Because mm. already, um, they already want you to succeed in those places, right? At hood shows, it's all on you, bro. Niggas just want to throw their Tims at you. Not necessarily. Okay. Just it's all on you. So I'm willing to find you funny. I'm having be funny. a hard time understanding this. They're not gonna give it to you. Okay. I just came out of work. You feel me? Like hood shows is. I'm from Brooklyn, so and you from Brooklyn, you from the Bronx. You understand this? Like we're not just gonna give you shit, bro. Mm-hmm. You know what I've been through today? 
You feel yeah, me? Also, I'm not, like, that's the energy at yes, the show right now. I'm not now. just like, going to clap for you, bro. I just came th- out of work. I'm trying to back this bitch at the bar, but she dubbing me. <laughs> you better be funny because you're taking my time right yeah. now. Yeah. Okay. I get it. You have to really wing them. Like, nah, motherfucker. This shit's funny. <laughs> really listen to me. And that builds up that character. Yeah. So now I'm at Broadway with that same energy, and they already want to find me funny. So yeah. now they're like, oh, this is overkill. Yeah. Okay, I get it. I see. I see. I see what that means. It's like a street ball game compared to an NBA game. Right. NBA games are nothing like street ball. That competitive one on one shit. That elbow counts. Yes. Like when you get elbowed in the street game, you ain't complaining. You ain't looking at. You ain't looking for the ref. Right. To come in and save you. You're gonna get tighter yourself because, like, I've been fouled crazy and still been tight at myself and not the defender because I'm like, damn, I still could have made that. Yeah. It's like hush shows build you up for that. Like, damn. I still could have, you know, I still could have made them laugh, though. Yeah. And, like and that. how does that play into the other principle of never ask them, is this funny? Oh, you tell them this is funny. Huge fact. That's all that confidence. I'm not going on stage and I'm asking y'all, yo, y'all think this is funny? So not literally asking them, yo, y'all find that funny, even though some people do. Yeah. yeah like open mics and shit. I've done that. Yeah. But that's just because I'm playing off the character. Okay. Um, That's how I like to bomb. Anyways, um... If you're going up there with that energy, like, this is funny, this is funny. Even if you're not laughing, this is funny, this is funny. I'm going to I'm gonna win you off my energy alone. Right. Like, like, I'm, like you're, people going to question, like, damn, man, do I just have a bad sense of humor? Yes. People, <laughs> you really start to fuck with them. They're like, yeah, I don't know, bro. Maybe I'm not in a good mood or something. But now you was funny, bro, because you had their attention. Like, literally, I had shows where nobody laughed. But it's just the vibe. and the, I don't like to think of why. But yeah. I had people come up to me like, nah, bro, like, you know, nobody was laughing, but bro, I wasn't, I wasn't looking to look in my phone, like I was yeah. paying attention to you. Yeah, like they were following along. Yes. Okay. So, so like doing stand up is about more than just getting laughs. It's way more than it, that. It, it, it's, it's, it's more about like doing stand up is like a successful stand up uh, uh, show or, or 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 bit is when you're able to keep the people's attention. Yes. Okay. What's number What's number five? Oh no! Number four is never ask them if yeah, this is we, funny. Yeah, we we did something. that one. Yeah. Number five, you are not married to any of this shit. Something happens, take you off on a tangent. Never go back and finish a bit. Just move on. It's like that thing I said. Your jokes is just a guide. So like, if something happens, you're not married to the shit. You're not expecting it, or you don't have a, a formula. You just have a path. So it's something you just have a guide. So if something along happens on your path, um, it's okay to to branch out into a new path. Because you're comfortable with that guide already. Yeah. I'm getting on it. Like you said, oh, we got a, a tangent on, on religion. But it's okay because we already set up a good guide for ourselves. Like, you set up a good guide for yeah. yourself. That's why you was okay with the tangent. Right, right, exactly. Because I knew where we were going. Oh, shit. You see, yo, you keep mind-fucking me in this episode. Like, I feel like you're going to have to buy me a drink after <laughs> Like, but... So, so like, so when you have your bit and you have your, you have your, your set or whatever, and, and it's working as a guide... You can kind of go wherever you want because you always have home. Like, you always know where to come back to and you know where you want to end up at. And, and and you have those, like, those focal points throughout the whole time. Exactly. Okay. That's dope. I like that. I like I like how we're breaking these down because I've brought these up a few times with different people. and we, We've taken different approach, but I, I like this approach. So, let, let's see what else. Let's see what else we got on this list. Never ask the audience, how you doing? People who do that can't think of an opening line. They came to see you. Tell them how how they're doing. Asking them stupid questions up front just digs a hole. This is the most common mistake made by performers. I want to leave as soon as that that is said. Basically, how you doing is a is a is a um is filling the void. 
that's whack. Like yeah. I told you, like um, some people don't like to cut the fat because now they're left with a void. And uh, they they the okay. So you've been at shows. They say a joke. Everybody start dying laughing. <laughs> and then after you ever heard a comic go, and then you hear the energy dying, and it goes. He don't have a guide. He just yeah. had a path. For whatever reason, the path wasn't working that night. Or, like, he hit such a big note that he forgot what's next. Yeah. For Like, that happens. You like, go on such like, a big high, you're like, oh, shit, what's my next joke? Yeah, he was, he was riding that wave wild hard. So people have, let's Damn. say, like a rundown. They have six jokes. Oh, I have a five-minute set of six jokes. They got so into number four, they forgot number five. Okay. That really happens because if you set your jokes up like that, you have a path. Right. What's going to happen when you get into number four, number three didn't work? You're fucked. You're fucked. So uh, this happens, the how you're doing when number four is so, that, that wave was so high, you either forgot or didn't transition so smoothly into number five. Mm, okay. And you didn't know how to ride that wave, so now you're like, oh, how you doing? Or like... Um, uh, common mistakes are like interacting with the crowd to where you actually want to answer from them. Okay, hold on. Give us a second. Let's take a quick break. Let's no take problem. a quick break. All right. So you so so it's possible to tell it's possible to tell the joke and and the joke goes over so well that you're riding on a wave so high that you just don't remember what joke comes next. How do you avoid? How do you avoid? falling victim to that though by not falling into the wave the wave is what the crowd got going on okay i'm just riding it like a surfer right at the end of the day i'm on my surfboard in a sense okay i was never rocking with that wave i created it i created that little ripple right that's all it was at the end of the day i'm creating the wave i'm creating the ripple i'm telling them what's funny when they react to it and create a wave that's a sub i can't get into that not saying that I expected that, but I knew it could have happened. Right. So, I, so I guess it's like a, a point of confidence, almost. Like you yes. have to have a certain confidence about you. Maintained, grounded. Don't, you know, like, uh, like uh, Michael Jordan would do some crazy shit, but he maintained grounded. There's gonna be a next play. Maintain grounded. Matter of fact, I just dunked it on you. Well, guess what? I'm on defense now doing something else. There's always a next initiative. The job isn't done until they give you the light on stage. Yeah. So don't don't fucking fall into like, oh, my God, that was such a good joke. Guess what? You still got two minutes left. And guess what? A lot of people, they do really good the first three minutes. Ah, 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 ah. And then the last two minutes, they fall. And that should have ruined your whole fucking set because only pe- yeah. people only want to remember the negative. Right, exactly. I mean, if you, if you kill the first three minutes and the last two minutes sucks, it's gonna leave a sour mouth and a sour taste in everybody's mouth. Yep, like it's it's over for that. Um, so so continuing on with these principles, uh, number number seven is write what entertains you. If you can't be funny, be interesting. You haven't lost the crowd. Have something to say and then do it in a funny way. It's like I said. Um, like I said with the whole. Uh, hood crowds I really like that so like um, it builds up that confidence and they don't always have to be laughing I had people come up to me after an open mic and they're like man I find you hilarious but I remember their face when I was on stage they didn't laugh or they didn't even smile yeah that means that doesn't mean they didn't pay attention everybody reacts different you know uh, that that um, you ever heard of Doug Stanhope 
Yeah. So Doug Stanhope is actually one of our other matches, and I swear we not, I'm not plugging these on purpose. But I, I saw his special, no refunds, and the whole time I'm sitting there watching this special, and I didn't laugh out loud once. Like I wasn't laughing out loud at all. But I'm watching. I'm like, damn, this shit is fucking good. Mm-hmm. And 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 another one of my favorite comedians, uh, who's George Carlin. George Carlin's another guy that I rarely laugh out loud at his jokes, but the way he's fucking telling his story is so interesting. His word choice is so fucking pinpoint accurate that it's it's fucking great to me. Like I leave thinking like, damn, that's a fucking funny way to express that. You know, uh, take us to number eight. Number eight, I close my eyes and walk out there, and that's where I start. Honest, that's the truth. Um, you always want to make it something fresh each time. That's why it's important not to look at your jokes like a path because then it gets boring. Mm-hmm. Every open mic starts to feel like what well, you just did the night before. You don't get that sense of like, Whoa. oh, it gets boring for you for the yes. performer. Okay, it's think about it like uh, with anything in life or, or like a relationship. Mm-hmm. They tell you, oh, I'm getting, I'm getting bored of my girl. Why? Yeah. You're not doing anything fresh. Not not doing anything new. So my girl, in a sense, is, is going on stage. That's my girlfriend. I like. I'm, I'm dating comedy. Yeah. But I'm, I'm getting bored of her. I'm not. I'm not working. We're not working towards a, a healthy relationship with each other. Me especially, I'm not putting in that work. Mm. I'm not making it creative or I'm not putting in that time. So like basketball, I got tired of it. Why? Because I, I, I wasn't having good games or I would always feel depressed about it. That was some bitch shit. I gave up on myself and the relationship I had with basketball because I wasn't willing to put in that work. It becomes so much more fun when you put in that work. When I actually do my right-hand dribbles, my left-hand dribbles, now I'm not in the game waiting for somebody to pass it to me. I can go out there and get it, dribble it, get my own shit. That's when, yeah. it, that's when it becomes fun. Mm. The same thing comedy. Like People are like, damn, it's not that joke isn't working no more. That's that joke. Maybe you don't want to say it no more. Maybe the yeah. energy isn't right. Maybe you're supposed to leave that joke, come back to it four years later and bring it back. You don't know. But the point is to fall in love and... Go out there each time like it's something new. Treat it as such. Don't treat it as something like a repertoire. It's not a habit. Yeah. The habit is the work. The stage is, is the is the blessing for us. Nice. That's fucking fire. Eight. No, that was uh that was we that just was did. eight. Nine. Damn, look at me, I'm losing track. No, good. Listen to what you are saying. Ask yourself, why am I saying this? Is it necessary? This will filter all your materials and cut the unnecessary words. Economy of words. Everything you're saying is important. Don't ramble. It's too much info. Get to the point. Necessary words. That's the whole trimming the fat. Yes. That's where you trim the fat. And then, yo, you got to be harsh with yourself. I, you I to. took a, a poetry class once and it was, it was all about just like, yo, poetry is about removing all the words that don't need to be there mm-hmm. to prove your point. Some words you add them because it makes you feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. Like, especially with poetry. A lot of people are talking so deeply about themselves. They add, they add a little, like, um, okay, so, like, in poetry, I've noticed the ones that want to talk provocative and sexual, when they're not comfortable with being that way, they'll say something very humbling after something that doesn't need to be humbled. Mm. You feel me? Like, you said something very provocative, you're supposed to just throw it out there. Right. Don't try to control the reaction. Like, let's say... Try to do, like, damage control on their own uh, provocative statements. So, like, somebody... Okay, I'm a big dude. This is why I think like this. But let's say I'm on stage and I'm talking about myself in a confident look or I'm doing something sexual. I might say something when I'm not feeling so confident about myself, like this, this, and that, but I'm a humble guy. You feel me? Trying to, like, yo, I could do this and that, but I'm a cool dude. That's See, it actually just, uh, I'm sorry to interrupt you, it actually just happened right now, where you qualified your statement with, 
I feel like this because I'm a big dude. You feel me? See, so it hap- it happens in natural conversation, but in natural conversation it's okay. Yes. Like like you you know, it's fine. It, it doesn't matter. But when you're on stage and you got that mic in your hand, every second, every word matters. Yes. Number ten, play to the top of the intelligence of the room. There aren't any bad crowds, just wrong choices. A lot of people will be like, Oh, there was the crowd. Oh, they weren't feeling me. Yeah. You can't work on that. That's yeah. that's uh damn, what's the word for it? Something something factor. That's okay. the uncontrollable factor. You can't control that. That's the crowd. You just you can go home and control the factor. You. You're the main factor. So like you have to record every open mic. I do this every you record every single every one. Every time I get on stage and I talk, I record it. Yeah. Cause then how will I know number nine when I'm using unnecessary words? Mm, Nobody no. else is gonna hit me up like, yo, bro, honestly, when you tell this joke, cut that out. Nobody. Yeah. <laughs> that's like that's that's your job. Yes. Your job is to be able to listen back to your shit. And say, yo, I knew what I meant without saying this part of it, mm-hmm. without saying that part of it. You record yourself on your phone? Yes. And I know you go through it because you listen to yourself. It's kind of hard to listen to yourself sometimes. Yeah, it's annoying. You're like, oh, God, what? I sound ridiculous. You have to put yourself through that. <laughs> yeah, I sound ridiculous. Because you're going to sound ridiculous again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yo>. <laughs> Hurry up. That's definitely it. That's definitely what, like, you. I guess you kind of need that dose of reality to be like, yeah, I was wildin'. Yeah. I was wilding. Let me not do that again. So, uh, number 11 oh. is... Um, and number 10, it said, play to the top of the intelligence of the oh, room. Oh, actually, yeah. People like to dumb their shit down because they're like, oh, people just aren't getting it. No, no, no. You haven't found how to make it... Uh, I was going to say gettable, but that's such a stupid way. You haven't found a way to make it relatable. It was the simplest way to explain it, though, yes. to be fair. You haven't made it gettable, bro. You feel me? Yeah. I was trying to land the plane that had no, but I I did it. Um, so yeah. so basically, so playing to the to the top intelligence of the room, right? Is is that's like not going in there and thinking, not going into a hood show and thinking, yo, I can't make this joke because it's too smart. Yes. Is you have to make the joke, and regardless of the level of smartness in your joke, you need to make it simple enough so that it plays to the to to, to the intelligence in the room. A lot of people would think, oh, I'm at a hood joke. I'm at a, a, hood, uh, a hood show, so I, I can't say my sophisticated shit, whatever, blah, blah, blah. That's all bullshit. Yeah. You think that's sophisticated because you're putting, A, more words, which is unnecessary. Yeah. And people at comedy clubs are giving you more time because they're a little more lenient. They're like, mm-hmm. oh, he, I, something, ha- something funny has to happen because this is a comedy club and I pay $20. Right. Hood shows, bar shows, they don't always go down like that. Yeah. So pe- people didn't pay for that. They're not going to give you that. Right. So even at those shows, you can't be like, oh, this is sophisticated. No. it's um, You're trying to say too much. You actually sound dumb because you're making the crowd feel like they have to listen to all that shit to get something so simple. Right. You feel me? Like, I'll say something and only hood people will be like, bro, you... You fucking wasting my time, bro. You told me a long story just to tell me your girl left you. Yeah. You couldn't just say that. You couldn't That's just how say they my feel. Girl left me. Sophisticated shows, they wanted to go through that because they fall in love with the whole. Oh, you found out your girl found your messages. Yeah. You know, unless that's really funny, then they don't want to hear all that because yeah. you're like, if your whole point of saying all that was to say your girl left you, the bro, you could have started with that, mm-hmm. and that's what that teaches you. Nice. Okay. They're already intelligent. Everybody's intelligent. Yeah. So you start like that, but you're simplifying it. 
Right. And if you simp- if you know how to simplify your shit, you actually are more intelligent. You actually are because you're. Um, they tell you, oh, these these are big words. There's a reason why these are big words because they encompass so many little words. Oh shit! I never thought of that. You're, you're teaching me a lot, bro. So, uh, would you? I, I guess at the shows in the city and stuff like that, or oh, the opposite of whatever. Like like if you go to like a famous comedy club, the people that are going there, they're kind of trying to find that comedian that no one knows. Like, they're trying to find the good comedian. So it's like there's just way more leeway with your stories, way more leeway with everything. They're just way more lenient to everything. Um, Are there benefits to doing those shows? Okay. The benefit to doing a show in general, a show, is that it's a show. In comedy, open mics, you really most of the time are just performing for other comedians waiting to go up. So that's like performing for... In a sense, I don't view it like this, but it really is true. You're performing for your competition. Mm. It's hard to make them laugh. Because yeah. A, they're rooting for themselves. B, they view you as competition. C, um, they want to find themselves funnier than you. It's just a whole thing behind it. Um, it's like basketball players. That nigga trash. You ever seen him play? Nah, but... Yeah, but he's trash. He's trash. Why? Compared to me, you feel me? I'm the yeah. best. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it's part of the psyche that you need, though, to, to, to go out there and compete. Right. So you can't, grant, that's why you can't take it personal. That's why I try not to focus on that. Yeah. 11. Um, okay. Remember, this is the hardest thing there is to do. If you can do this, you can do anything. Yeah. I See, it's funny because last show, um, I had these two dudes. They just started to do comedy, but they're both Marines. So they're both ex-Marines. So they said comedy is definitely not the hardest thing to do. Uh, m- the Marine Corps was much harder. But so I have difficulties with that one because it's like, remember, this is the hardest thing there is to do. It, it, wh- how does that, like, where does that come into play? Where is the very, very hard thing about comedy? Okay. Here's the thing about those ex-Marines is that they have to understand everything relates to everything. They're saying that the Marine Corps and all that was hard. Yes, of course. And with anything that you try to do in life has its own little difficulties or difficulties. But if you learn that everything applies to everything, you learn that all the little difficulties that are self-personal, they all relate. So, like, Marines, they have to go through a lot, and they have to stay grounded a lot. They have to really maintain themselves because they're literally going through chaos and disaster. And through all that, they must remain grounded within themselves confident you are in crazy weather but you still must kill somebody in a sense or whatever the case is but you have to remain stoic right same thing on stage right but they they've been through shit so that's why they're like bro you're just going on stage and you just that's why they like that but um not everybody's gonna do marines not everybody yeah. has been through stoic shit like that not everybody has that mindset. Like, a lot of ex-cops, when they retire, shit, they become cops. I mean, they become comics or, like, you know, shit like that. Um, the hardest thing to do is to put yourself out there. I, I feel like that's what he's trying to say, especially in comedy. And a lot of comedians will really big up comedy because we don't have a beat. We don't have something to entertain the crowd while we're trying to get it together. We are literally the entertaining. Um, poetry is hard, too. Um, I guess with poetry, there's just a little flow to it. That's why comedians will probably be like, oh, you know, you still... But everything has difficulties. You're really just putting yourself out there. 
And that is difficult. And that's where the hard part comes in. Yeah, you're putting yourself out there. And, and if you're really following these steps, you understand that ultimately this is leading you to uncomfortableness. That all these rules are just leading you to uncomfortableness because that's where the real... That's where the real um, that's where the real joke would come from, um, the real humor because all your jokes came from if if you put it back to what that person told you, tragedy times timing. If you're constantly feeling uncomfortable, you constantly feel like you're going through a tragedy in a sense. Oh my God, my shirt was so tight today. I need to lose weight. Like, yeah. That's a little personal tragedy. But then if you get over that and focus on the time, you could be like, man, I remember when I was in the elevator, my shirt was so tight. This person gave me this look. La 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 la. And that's. That's where the jokes begin to form. Right, because I'm falling. I'm just paying attention to myself, and I put myself out there to begin with, and I paid attention and all types of shit. All right, take us to the last principle. The last principle, which is the ultimate callback. I love my cracker roots. This is Bill Hicks. I love my cracker roots. Get to know your family. Be friends with them. The reason why I call that a callback is because the very first one is if you can if you can be yourself on stage, nobody else can be you, and you have the law of supply and demand. So Bill Hicks, white guy. Talks about his family and be friends with them. This is literally the basis of everything for him. And it's the basis for all of us. We're all either something. He, he says, oh, I love my cracker roots. That's his way of saying I love being white. I love being Dominican. But more so, I love being a, what I am. I'm a second-generation Dominican from Brooklyn. I grew up in Brooklyn. So, like, when you talk to me or even when you look at me, I don't look Dominican. You wouldn't even think that. But then I can fucking, I've been to DR. I've been around my Dominican family. I love my roots. Um, so I can it's so hard to not scream the Lomeo into the mic right now. I'm like, it's like right here. It's like at the base of my throat. It's like I felt like the little meal coming out and like the the, the, the handshake because I didn't I didn't think you was Dominican when you first got here. You see, I'm a judgmental fuck. Now you good because that's not what I give off because I I, I wasn't that's not me, bro. That's not yeah. me. Like um, my biggest thing was I wanted to be Dominican cause just because yeah. um everybody that was in DR just everybody in general was like you're not Dominican so I wanted to be that so bad and then I be and then I started noticing like oh my god like um, that's not me um, I'd rather be what I am Brooklyn Dominicans is different though it's way different and it's okay Brooklyn Brooklyn Dominicans is way different and honestly it's um okay I love my like, y'all niggas don't even smoke hookah it's crazy it's true. Like it's, it's it's like this shit blew it's my true. mind. Like it's, I have I have friends that are Dominican from Brooklyn, and it's like when I told them I was like, yo, you're not like us. Like Dominicans from Brooklyn is not like Dominicans from uptown. It's it's completely different. It's like completely different people, and that's why it's dope. So my roots is not just I have Dominican roots. My roots is a New York roots. Mm-hmm. So it's crazy how you broke it down like that. I can easily go on stage one day and be like, yo, I'm a Dominican from Brooklyn, but could you imagine if I was a Dominican from Harlem? Blah 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 yeah. blah. I'm opening the doors because, A, I started off with my door. What am yeah. I first? And that builds off with everything. If I just limited myself and I was like, I'm a Dominican, and then I'm a Dominican comic, then I start to just open certain doors because it just makes yeah. sense to be in Dominican. Yeah, like Dominicans from Brooklyn is more Puerto Rican than like Dominicans uptown. And by Puerto Rican, I mean like y'all, y'all more New York. Like y'all more like established as like New Yorkers. And and I don't know why I keep relating Not it back to sense. hookah. But it's like y'all niggas is just more New Yorker. Like for some reason, that makes sense. The Dominicans that like every Dominican I met from Brooklyn is like their roots are way more concrete 
mm-hmm. than than dirt. It's more so. There's New Yorkian. There there isn't a term for Dominican. There isn't a term for Brooklyn. I'm more yeah, <laughs> Brooklyn Inican in yeah, a sense. Brooklyn Inican. Nah, you got to workshop that, bro. Gotta, gotta you're you're a comedian. You got to come up with something better than that. So how important is it for you to get to know your family? And be able to use that in your material. That's everything. That's where you came from. Those are the first people you were around. If you were blessed enough to be around your family, a lot of stuff. Just, okay, because I don't want to break it down like that. I want to break it down like this. Get to know yourself and get to know to uh, who you were to where you got to because it's all a building block. If you can pay attention to all of that and you become aware of that, you can understand the the growth or the creativity where it sparked from. So I was around my family a lot when I was younger. And I have a a real, I've observed a lot and I understand myself a lot and I understand them, my family, and I just understand the thing. Now, most of my jokes right now, all of the really, really good ones I got, like 80%, all family shit. Mm. And it will forever work because everybody has family. Even if you don't like your family, at least you understand what I'm talking about. Right. At least because I'm I'm breaking down my material so relatable, so relatable, and it is so me. If you can be yourself on stage, nobody can be you. My jokes are so me. If 80% of my jokes are my family, I'm winning already because 80% of my jokes nobody else could have ever thought about. Yeah, because they not me in my shoe when they I'm dealing with my even father. Say that shit. Exactly, and. If if I can make that funny, that becomes the end of um, the first principle. Then you have the law of supply and demand. If you can make what you've been through and what you're going through the main source of your funniness, you won. Because then you could talk about anything and everything you're going through. And not just a joke you came up with last week or something you worked on for three years. Because you are something that's... I'm 24. I'm, I'm something that's been working for 24 years. Yeah. And I only want to focus on what I've done for three years in comedy. No, no, no. I'm losing I must, I've, I, in three years, I've been trying to work with what I've been through in 24 years. But what you need to do is put in more time, that 10,000 hours, you know what I'm saying? So that by the time I'm 40, I have, let's say, 20-something years of trying to make sense of the 40. Yeah. Uh, before we get into this bracket, because we got to finish off this bracket, and those are the 12 principles of comedy. And Julio was telling us that those shits is spot on. Mm-hmm. And there's some shit you can lean on when you're feeling lost in the dark right there. Shout out to Julio Rivera. That's the friend that put me on to that. To that? Yes, Dope. sir. So, and that's the other half of Julio's, of J- TJ Squared. Yep. The wi- what I would call the wiser Julio. The wiser Julio? Even though he's always shitting on my my high thoughts. Damn. Yo, we, but, you you got to you know. get that together. Um, oh, shit. What I was going to say was we about to get into these brackets. And we got four. We got two matchups today. Uh, the first one is is gonna be. It's a tough one. It's a tough one for me. It's Doug Stanhope. Mm-hmm. He has a special called No Refunds. And one of the hardest things to do is he's going up against Richard Pryor live in concert. One of the hardest things to do is to listen to the bit without all of the loadedness that comes from the person that's telling you the joke. You know what I mean? Because it's very easy. To hear the two bits, you know, you got Doug Stanhope on one side doing no refunds. You got Richard Pryor on the other side doing live in concert. And you know the historical meaning of Richard Pryor in comedy. It's it's almost like second nature to be like, oh, yeah, Richard Pryor, indubitably. You know what I mean? So it's like try to suppress that as much as you could. It's, it's very difficult because you just know. So, But try to suppress that as much as you can. And let's take a listen on uh, to Doug Stanhope first. But tell me what you think of this. 
Nationalism does nothing but teach you how to hate people that you never met. And all of a sudden you take pride in accomplishments you had no part in whatsoever and you brag about, you know, like the Americans you go, fuck the French. Fuck the French. If we hadn't saved their ass in two world wars, they'd be speaking German right now. You go, oh, was that us? That was us? Was, was that me and you, Tommy? We saved the French? <laughs> Jesus. I know I blacked out a little bit after that fourth shot of Jägermeister last night, but I don't, I don't remember. I know we went through to Wendy's drive-thru. We are going to get one of them fresh set of sandwiches. It looked so alluring on the commercial, but then we ordered it and realized we had no money and we had to ditch out before the second window. And those douchebags in line behind us with the bass music probably got our order and out. We laughed about that, but I don't remember saving the French at all. I, I went through... You see that? That whole little drive-thru thing? Mm -hmm. That's probably something he wrote when it actually happened. What can you... Okay, so a lot of those jokes, like that little thing, the reason why a lot of us don't want to tempt them is because we feel like it don't have substance. Substance. Yeah. It's just something I've been through with my friend. Like, we skipped out on the thing at the drive-thru. Yeah. Okay, but you see how he made it apply to something with substance and now it flowed? That's the, the, the left in and out. Yes. That was the left in and out that was of something, his crossover. Yes, that was a left in and out he had, and he just didn't know how to add it to the substance. Boom. Well, the last 10 calls on my cell phone and there's nothing incoming or outgoing to the French looking for muscle on a project. I check my pants, there's no mud stains on the knees from where we were garroting krauts in the trenches at Verdun. I think we didn't do anything but watch sports bloopers while we got hammered. I think we should shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> we can stop this one there. We could take this one there and, and uh damn. This this is a five minute clip. But you know what? Let's finish it out. Cause I like to let them finish their bits. I like to let the comedians finish their bit because I feel like sometimes like it's like there's connective tissue in between that's just like, it's mad left in and out. I got to learn more basketball terms because it's a bunch of left in and outs. It's a bunch of stuff that's just in between there to be able to complete the crossover at the end. The simplest word to learn from all those crossover shit I ever said, the simplest, simplest word, synchronicity. Yeah. All those left in and outs, all this stuff. Where's the substance? The substance is synchronicity. How did it all flow? Got that's it. why you like to let them let it all out. Yeah, that's why I like to. Yeah, exactly. It's leading to something. All that stuff, tradition and heritage, it's dead people's baggage. Quit carrying it. Did you make it up? No, it's passed on to me, pass it back. Every immigration argument that you hear, they, they never come from a, like, well, how does it affect you personally? Well, you know, these immigrants, they come to our country, they burden our tax system. What they do is they come here and they get into our education system and our health care, and I gotta pay the taxes. My taxes have to pay that. Well, what the fuck are you doing to me? Every time you have a kid, every time you have a kid because it's American, I should pull up a chaise lounge and wave a flag while 15 of those things come out of you, pay every, oh, I can't wait to pay for these, they're American. I have a vasectomy and an abortion on my record, but I can't wait for all your fucking fat-headed Midwestern kids to come out of you. 
What are you, Catholic? Come on, be fruitful and multiply. Love it, love it. I'll get a second job. No, keep. Well, these immigrants, they don't fuck, they don't speak the language. Then don't talk to them. I solved your problem. That was quick. You know who speaks the language perfectly? Your next door neighbor. You've lived there eight and a half years. You've never said one fucking word to that guy. You avert eye contact should you check the mail at the same time. So why would you give a shit with the guy selling gnip gnops in a cart in the park speech? It's none of your fucking business. Gnip gnops. I don't even know what the fuck that is. And all the cliched arguments. Like that, they're they're lazy, they're shiftless, and they're criminals, and all this. They... All those arguments go against the main cliched argument of their taking American jobs. I live on the Mexican border. I live seven miles off the Mexican border in a town, Bisbee, Arizona, a little town. I can go out any day and watch Border Patrol arresting these guys by the dozen, 11 at a time out of a Dodge Omni, like a clown car with plastic cuffs. And you're right, they don't speak the language and they probably have no education. They don't have fucking shoes half the time. They're like barefoot and tattered castaway, like Gilligan's Island shorts and the fucking dirty t-shirt and dehydrated and wandering a desert for four days. And if that guy is as qualified for your job as you are, you're a fucking loser of such epic, humiliating proportions. I would be ashamed to have anyone find out that guy took my job. He doesn't speak English. What, did they do your job tra- That shit is funny to me. OD. And, and it, 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 there's one thing that there's one thing about this special in general is that he tackles these really heavy, heavy uh, political uh, topics, like just social topics, and he does it with with just like I don't want to say gracefulness because his shit is so fucking abrasive, but it's just it, it's it, it's so good. It, it's a great special, um, but that's Doug Stanhope, no refunds, and that's him on nationalism. Uh, how'd you feel about that? That was good. Um, I'm not gonna lie, I didn't see that. Yeah. So like that was good. Um, this is just how I react because I'm just observing what's going on. But that was funny. He had his points. Um, I like the whole nationalism talk. He broke down simple shit like the whole, oh they don't talk your language, don't, don't fucking speak to them. Yeah. That's like real simple. Real simple. And it's true. It's, there's a gracefulness. Like he's he's talking, very energy ener- energized. But it's it's very like uh, I don't want to say controlled, but uh, he's having fun with it. That's what that is. Yeah. He's having fun on stage. Yeah. And you can tell. And there's a gracefulness when you're having fun, because you're like riding a wave in a sense. So like, you're you're riding your shit. So like, you're um, you're having fun, but you're getting the job done. Yeah, and that's when it comes out like that. All right, so now we're gonna check out the legend Re- Richard Richard Pryor. Richard, and this is live in concert. This is from 1979, so this is about 40 years old. Um, Still applies. Skip this a play. <laughs> had a little pain in my heart there. I thought I was having another heart attack. So, what? You get scared after you have a heart attack all the time. Anytime you feel a little pain, you go, huh? Anyone here ever had a heart attack? Them motherfuckers hype. I'm not bullshit, man. I was walking in the front yard. I was just walking along and someone said, don't breathe. 
I said, huh? So you heard me, motherfucker. I said, don't breathe. Okay, I won't breathe, I won't breathe, I won't breathe. Then shut the fuck up then. Okay. Said, don't kill me, don't kill me, don't kill me. Get on one knee and prove it. I'm on one knee. Don't kill me. Think about dying now, ain't you? Yeah, I'm thinking about dying. I'm thinking about dying. You didn't think about it when you was eating all that pork. <laughs> <laughs> You know black people got high blood pressure anyway, don't you? Yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. watch your diet, I will, I will, don't kill me, don't kill me, don't kill me, don't kill me. You be thinking about shit like that when you think you're gonna die, don't kill me, 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 don't kill me. You put an emergency call into God too, right? Can I speak to God right away, please? Right, always some angel talking about, I'll have to put you on hold. And then your heart get mad if it find out you was going behind its back to talk to God. Your heart say, was you trying to talk to God behind my back? No, I wasn't. You's a lying motherfucker. You <laughs> I woke up in an ambulance, right? And it wasn't nothing but white people staring at me. I said, ain't this a bitch? I done died and wound up in the wrong motherfucking house. <laughs> Classic. Yo, how do you feel about Richard Pryor? Yo, man, he really, like, elevated, like, the whole sport of comedy in a sense. Like, um, it was always, uh, like, his, like, in his uh, upbringing in comedy, he was like a, a, It was like a Bill Bill Cosby type, mm-hmm. clean cut, yeah. you know your 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 suit and shit like that. And then he found himself. He had no choice because that wasn't for him. That wasn't him. He was feeding the crowd. Even though what he was saying up there was funny, he was, he wasn't doing it how you would want to do it. He yeah, was, he was doing it because you know they were classy or whatever the case was. So he started off like pretty uh pretty pretty straight edge. And then just went rogue with all because he he be wilding he mm-hmm. be going in with the cursing and everything and he kind of set the standard for everything that's going that that was allowed later on after him. You he's know like, what I mean, he's like a Michael Jordan, like a Julius Irvin, a Larry Bird, a Magic Johnson. He's a pioneer in the game because before Richard Pryor, comedy was the same way, and after it changed. That's a huge fact. And what do you think is it that makes this joke work? Because it's a joke about a heart attack. Him. He brings it to life. It's what you said before. A little bit of truth, exaggeration. That little bit of truth was the whole heart thing. Yeah. We all know what he's talking about. The exaggeration is, man, going to heaven, talk, making a deal with God. Yeah. He really made you feel that. Yeah. And then he, he, he brings it all back to the whole, oh, my God, I'm really just having a little heart. Something wrong yeah. with my heart. And exaggerated everything. And the character, he, every hit, uh, and he, bro, he makes it so that everything he's doing on stage is like a visual. Yeah, Indeed. like the rhythm of it is is, is just like it's with perfect. with like like and then turning the heart attack into a character is just genius with mean? the whole like like and he does uh, that. the, the twisting of the heart and all that he it, adds character to non-human things like he did that for a bullet he did that for a gun I think it was yeah. 
or he did that for his legs for, his legs. for the boxing joke. He's oh, like, that was in the in the the Sunset Strip one. He's like, man, you get hit in the body, you think hey, I ain't going down? I got hit in the body, but your legs give out. Like, <laughs> man, I ain't got nothing to do with this. <laughs> That's all genius, bro. Because like. Sometimes you don't have a word or you don't know what to say. Bro, give give a character. It's like cartoons. Give it a character. Just yeah. make it make sense and just really get into it because then we'll see what it is. Mm. Or the then they'll see what it is that you feel or you trying to invoke in them. So who so who you giving this one to? Who you giving this battle to right now? I don't know cuz this, this was a good this was a good matchup if you really think about it. Um um Doug is doing the same in a sense. Uh, I'm going to give this one to I'm going to give it to Richard because um, Doug was good. He was talking about a lot of uh, American uh, substance and what it, it was uh, a big, uh, a more in-depth topic. And he, he did well with it. But I'll give it to Richard. It was so simple. Yeah. And yet complex. And he made it just, this is it's great, bro, yeah. because. Yeah. See, I'm going to have to go with live in concert also. I'm going to go with the Richard Pryor one, too. And it's, there's, there's, two, there's two factors that I always look at or that I've been looking at when, I, when I've been judging these is how difficult is the material that they're pulling from mm-hmm. and how mundane is the, is the material that they're pulling from. Those are like the two ends of the spectrum for me. And this was a good matchup when I was watching their stand-ups because uh, – Doug Stanhope stuff, he's pulling from very complex situations. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He's pulling from immigration. He's pulling from nationalism. And he's taking these very complex things and making them very simple. And that has a, def- a level of difficulty. Richard Pryor is taking these very simple things right. and making them incredibly complex through the use of exaggeration. And, and, and that's also very difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do have an affinity for making the simple everyday shit funny because it's like it gives me that feeling of everyone could have thought of this joke because everyone has had this happen to them you know what i mean like everyone had the opportunity to make this joke but only he could make it because he's bringing that extraness to it so that's that's why i'm gonna go with prior on that one too so we're gonna go with live and concert for that one and i guess that takes us to our first semi-final matchup which is Richard Pryor live at concert versus complaints and grievances, George Carlin. So that's going to be a fun one next episode. Uh, we're going to go to the next matchup. But This is a guy you heard of before. Yeah, this is, um, I'm a little biased. <laughs> this is your, your bias is going to come in right now? I fucks with both of them, though, and I give them their own respect because um, Kevin meant a lot to me, too. So yeah. this, is, this is a good matchup so for me. So this is Patrice O'Neill, Elephant in the Room, versus Kevin Hart, Seriously Funny. So the first thing we're going to do is we're going to listen to Patrice O'Neill from Elephant in the Room. Stuck in a relationship. Done. Done. (laughs) This is a man in love. Here's here's the face of a man in love. In the face of a woman in love is like, yay, yay, I'm in love. But the face of a man in like is like, yeah, man, I like her. And women are like, where is this going? <laughs> Why does it have to go somewhere? It's just cool right now. Like, here's the best relationship in the world is when 
the woman loves you and the man likes her. So if I like you and you love me, that's perfection. <laughs> because I like like. Like is like when, that's when he's happy to see you and happy to hear you and, and you doing things that don't disrespect the, the happen, you lie about liking sports and you do all kind of things. I know that sounds like ridiculous, but I'll put it in vaginal terms for you. Because <laughs> I see the faces like, huh? And then guys go, hey, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, but I, I but guys do. I, I speak fluent dude, man. I, I understand how we are. I'm gonna tell you why. Okay, ladies, you, how many times has there been a guy in your life or it, guys in, where there's been men in your life who want to sleep with you, but you didn't want to sleep with him. Zillions, you can't count it. So what that means, there's a, there's a philosophy there, meaning you are sexable. He wants to sleep with you, but just cause you are sexable don't mean I'm sexable, right? Same thing with love, just cause I'm lovable. <laughs> doesn't mean that you're lovable too. You're just likable to me. You didn't do for me what I did for you to feel that way. You understand what I'm saying? It, it, it's, it's very simple. So if you just wait for me to love you, then you, you'd be all right. You might have to wait a while. But men don't have the option to muscle you like you muscle us. You know, you got to either shit or get off the pot. We've been together this many months and it's time for us to discover where... Like, but men don't say nothing like that to muscle you, man. That's, that's you know, I can't go, look, we've been going out for a week now. It's, 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 uh... Yeah, he's good at analogies. It's time for you to roll these panties down because... It's been too long. I've been buying you drinks, and you got to either shit or get off the pot. That's Patrice O'Neill. And that's, that's just an interesting concept in general. Like, the dynamics of a relationship, like, yo, the best format for a relationship is when she loves me and I like her. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, because it's like, there's just so much... And this was one of the hardest special to find clips from because it's just so fucking intertwined. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like there's like there are callbacks within his jokes of callbacks that were in other jokes from the first minute of the special that are now being brought up later on. And and that this special right here is one of the hardest ones to find bits from. Uh, and I don't even have to get your opinion on how you felt about Patrice O'Neill. That's that's one of the goats. Mm -hmm. So let's move right along to Kevin Hart's Seriously Funny. Little girl get hurt over my house. I asked for this joke, her, by yeah. the way. One this is your right? shit. Yeah. <laughs> my daughter got real big bunk beds. I'm in the living room. I'm watching TV. Her and her friends, they in the room playing. Out of nowhere, I hear a loud bang. Bang! Little girl start crying. Ah! Ah! <laughs> <laughs> I come in the room, right? 
All the girls are standing around her. They all standing around her. One girl is on her knee looking at her face to face. This would almost make me laugh. When I came in the room, the girl looked at me. She's like, mm, mm, mm. <laughs> but I can't laugh because I'm in daddy mode. I got to figure out what happened. So I go to my daughter. It's her room. She's responsible. I said, heaven, come here. Come here. It's your room. You're responsible. What happened? It's very hard to take a kid out of play mode. Like, when kids are playing, they don't know that shit just got real. Like, they, they don't know. So in her mind, it's still a game. I said, what happened? This is what my daughter did. She said, ho! that shake shit what's wrong with stop stop shaking your face stop what happened this is the story my baby told me she said we got monsters daddy there's a bunch of monsters in here the prince came out told us to get in the castle the castle was at the top of the bunk bed when we got up there it was too many people in the castle so somebody had to go we took a vote she lost I kicked her off wait what what? I kicked her off, Dad. It could have been anybody. I said, <laughs> my baby made an executive decision. I said, all right. She had to go. I get it. I understand. I'll tell you another fear of mine. Oh, it's good. That is good. Why is that good? That's good to me because it's a family joke, so he's already winning. It's about his kid. He's already winning. He's paying attention to his kid. Most importantly, he's already winning. Mm -hmm. He's giving character to everything and every to everyone he's um, he encountered along that story. He's already winning because he's paying extra attention. He's paying attention to detail with the sound, just like Richard. Pop. Yeah. yeah. He's he's really getting animated. You can see that he's having fun with it. He's letting loose with that joke. He's even laughing at it. Yeah. So it gives you that sense like, oh, well, even he finds it funny. Yeah. It's not just something he's saying to us because we're gonna find it funny. Right. It's like, yo, he likes what he's talking about. Boom. Um, I like how it was a nice pow, and it says, like, nice little punch. Because you see at the end, it um, he goes, here's another fear of mine. So that whole joke was just a fear of something. Yeah. So that um, it wasn't something that he made it so, like, oh, this is something I went through with my daughter. Right. It's a little boom, a little pow. It's like a little tidbit. Right, and I, I like that because sometimes that's all it needs to be. So you like how brief that that setup and that joke happened? Yes, that was beautiful. Cause like, it, it, it th does that speak towards like him trimming the fat? Because, yes. Yeah. A minute and thirty of nice, good substance will forever be better than three minutes of talk. Yeah. So, so you going you going Kevin Hart on this one, or you going Patrice on there? Because we didn't even get your thoughts on Patrice and what makes Patrice's joke good. So what makes Patrice's joke so good is he's so good at observing A, but applying logic to it. Yeah. And then once he applies logic to it, even if you don't understand him at first, he paid attention to the fact that, okay, you don't want to understand that? Maybe here's why. And he'll bring up that others. And then he'll bring up an analogy that you might get. Yeah. So he's everything he said about men and the way we think, yo, bro, honestly, that's a fact, bro. Yeah. And I was dealing with it with this girl. And he just places it so much, like, so good that 
it made me think like yo i remember when i liked this girl i was doing everything for yeah. her and i didn't mind because i liked her yeah the minute i kept i and i was the one that was forcing that love shit because i was self-conscious so i don't think it's just women forced love yeah um i think whoever feels the most self-conscious in a relationship will try to force that love especially if it's too early because they need it mm-hmm. so like I, in my in my situation i kept forcing it then once i had it i was like oh god because if you love somebody you love everything about them this girl that i was dating she was a free spirit now she's a free spirit you if you love a free spirit you understand what that what that comes with and i don't it was, understand what that comes with all right, so a free spirit, and I have a joke about it, but a free spirit without trying to really explain what a free spirit is, because it's all subjective, but the person that I was dealing with, um, in a sense, like, uh, simp- simply, you know, they're, um, if at any given moment, they're going to just follow their will. Yeah. But let's say... Um, So it's like you tell her, yo, call me when you get home, and she might not call you till the weekend. That's a, yeah, okay, that was beautiful. Yes. Yeah. That's like, what they so do. So it's just like, it's just kind of like she's not going to operate on the things that are going to satisfy you. She's operating on whatever's satisfying her at the moment, and you can't be expecting an explanation. Right. Like, yo, why you ain't call me when you got home? Like, it's just, it is what it is. It is what it is because that's what she does. Now, right. if you love a person like that, you have to understand that. So now when I was forced on all this lotion, then I. Uh, and I was like, damn, I don't want to deal with that. Yeah. All right. So, so Patrice is 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 a lot more conversational in, in his topics. And one thing that I really love about his jokes is uh, what you mentioned about him applying logic. And he uses logic in a way that I find very interesting. And and, and I don't I I think that one of the other people that do it really well is Dave Chappelle. Is he uses logic to make your logic illogical like he'll set up these two scenarios where they make sense at first but then they don't make sense like afterward like he uses so he uses logic to break down what you thought was your logic so like in this bit he start he starts with the whole like you know i'm lovable you're likable and then he said he sets up the scene by saying uh let me explain this in vaginal terms which was already funny it was a callback from an earlier joke but he says let me explain this in vaginal terms and really what he's saying is let me explain this to anyone who disagrees with the idea that a relationship works best when the guy loves the when when the woman loves the guy and the guy likes the girl and he goes into this whole thing about like ladies how many guys have wanted to have sex with you? All of them. And, and you and you, you know what I'm saying and and you didn't ha- want to have sex with them. That makes you sexable and the guy's not sexable. Right. Right? And it's like, "Oh yeah, logic makes perfect sense. I get it." And then he says, "Well, just because I'm lovable doesn't mean that you're lovable too." Fair so enough. it's like he sets this baseline that that uses logic to kind of battle your own logic that you previously had. And that shit is brilliant to me. Like, that goes beyond, I don't want to say beyond comedy, because that's disrespectful. That is, like, comedy at its finest. That's, like, my favorite kind of comedy, because it really takes just the tragedy of life and makes it funny. (laughs) Like, it makes it relatable. It makes everyone in the room feel like, I feel that too, (laughs) you know? So, for this one, I, I have to go Patrice, and I have to go Patrice because... When you peel everything back, when you peel back the characters, you peel back 
uh, the funny voices, you peel back the sounds. I'm not saying that you have to. When you peel all those things back, you're left with what is the philosophy of of the piece? Like where is the art in the piece? And uh, and 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 Patrice's art is just to me, it's just it's, it's undeniable. It's just like the way he manipulates the audience through these log- logical fallacies that he exposes in his comedy is just is supreme. It's superb. I'm not gonna lie. I agree with everything, and ev- I agree with all of that, all of that, all yeah. of that. Thing about Patrice is he could talk about anything, and everything, because he's literally gonna give it substance. Yeah. And he's talking. He he knows what he's talking about so much that he almost put that to the side to get to know you, so that not that he can battle you, but he can use what he thinks you already think, and then add that as fuel to what he's thinking about. So like. Um, that was perfect because he's talking about men and he's looking at the crowd, he's seeing all the women and all the men that was with their girls kind of disagreeing with him. The men that are disagreeing with him with the girls there, they kind of just don't want to upvote him. They don't want to go against their girls. And then the girls that are there, they're like, oh, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. So he, you know, all the vaginal terms, you know. <laughs> vaginal terms. Y'all could get, y'all could have sex any given day to, you know, whatever, whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, try to get a motherfucker to love you. Yeah. And then when they, they don't want to hear that, of course. Yeah. So nobody like, wants to hear that. Nobody wants to hear that. It's grimy. Yeah. But then he's like, yo, but check it out. I wish I could have sex all the time and every day, and I wish I even had an option like y'all. Yeah. But I don't. Yeah. So I'm not going to put the pressure on y'all like y'all would on me to love y'all with sex because, A, I'll be a rapist, this and that. So it's funny because uh, so in comedy, I've, I've watched a lot of Patrice. Maybe you mm-hmm. have. And uh, the Kings of Comedy one or something like that, he has this joke, and it's different because – Everything is a work in progress. Yeah. And at that time, the closer or the punchline for that was, you are literally, like, think about it like this, right? If I want pussy from you and you don't want to give it to me and I get it, what's that? Rape. If I'm on the phone with you I'm trying to hang up and you don't want to hang up, you want to keep talking. Bitch, you raping my time. <laughs> That's beautiful. That's beautiful. That is beautiful. Because she can't, like, women can't even get tired of that. Yeah. Because it's like, yo, I, it's not like I'm trying to compare this to rape. But it's like I'm using the analogy so hard that you cannot understand what I'm yeah, trying to say. Yeah, exactly. So he's giving this. So I fucked with Patrice all the way because of yeah. that. The thing about Kevin, I understand strip away this, strip away that. Then, but it, you cannot strip away that from that joke because that is the substance for that joke. Right. So here's the thing about Patrice is like um, him and Kevin are both. That's why I wanted that joke for Kevin especially. Um, there might be other people that think there's other funnier jokes than that. That's what's up. It's all subjective. I, I wanted to make a difficult choice for me. Um, Kevin is talking about his substance. Kevin is talking about what makes him his kids, his family. He's he's also giving his substance by adding all that stuff. But uh, I, I'm I'm gonna go with Patrice. That's my dude. That's the guy that I'm rocking with. But Kevin is my dude too. That, that so. You know, Damn, but I'm a, I feel like we gotta flip a corner. We, we get you because you just shitted on me right now with the whole like you can't strip it, and you're absolutely correct. I can't strip can't. away the the sound effects. I can't strip away the animation that he does. You can't strip that away. So strip away from okay. Let's say let's say Damn, you wanted to strip away the ca- if you want to strip away the sound effect and character from Kevin, then in a perfect battle you would have to strip away the analogy. And the facial expressions from Patrice. Oh, okay. You yeah. feel me? Like, if you want to do that to Damn, one, you have to do... this one's a real toss-up. What helps the other, you know? We're going to have to flip a coin, bro. We have to flip a coin. Let me get a quarter. I'm bear, you got a quarter? Let me see. We're going to have to flip a coin, because, fuck, that's a very good point. 
That's super unfair of me to fucking send my book back. Let me grab my quarter. I'll be right back. And we're going to do this flip. All right, so we got our quarter now. We got our quarter. And I believe the flip is on the guests. On me? Yeah, it's on you, bro. Damn, I'm the one that's undecided, it, though. It's, it's on you because you uh, fucked me up. Because I, I was going all the way Patrice. But after you said that the whole thing that you can't strip away anything from any of the performance jokes, that's a very valid point. And if you include all the Kev shit... It's a, it's a solid argument. Bet. Uh, all right. Heads for Patrice, tails for Kevin. Yeah. I kind of figured it would go that way just because we was... Kevin? Yeah, just because we was leaning so hard for Patrice. Yeah. I figured it would go that way, but uh, personally, I feel, I'm glad it did just because um, I was biased for Patrice. But just uh, that was a really good joke for me for Kevin. Um, All right, let me ask you this because I don't want to just let him win. Fuck. Nah, I feel you. Trust me. Have you seen both specials? Yes. Which special do you think is better? And that's another hard one, yeah. bro. Just in like the whole special outside of these clips. All right. All right. I feel like Elephant in the Room is like a it's like a blueprint. Should I say blueprint? I'm trying to think of a better Elephant in the Room. Is like an Illmatic and seriously funny. It's like a. Volume 2. Not, I, I want to give it credit because seriously funny really propelled them forward too. Yeah. Volume 2. But that was Hard Knock Life. That's what made them hove. Got you, but everybody remembers Blueprint in a sense. Yeah, Blueprint was his classic. You feel me? Yeah. Seriously funny is a, is a classic though. Yeah. I would say, okay, so here's the thing, though. Blueprint. Oh, perfect, perfect, perfect. Yes. So Seriously Funny is like a blueprint. Meanwhile, Elephant in the Room is like an Illmatic. Yeah. Because Jay came out with re, uh, Reasonable Doubt. Mm -hmm. So while Blueprint is a, a good one, you still got Reasonable Doubt. Yeah. Right? Not trying to say it's better, but just, you know, you got a, you got a banger here, you got a banger there, a banger here. Now, I'm giving Kevin props by saying that because that means that I believe he has bangers or what I believe is he has special that, that just the energy kept rising. Every special he kept putting out had more followers, more viewers, and it just kept building. And Seriously Funny was one of those. Plus, it was actually Seriously, seriously Funny. funny. Well, yeah. you know, Elephant in the Room, bro, he had, like, how many people? He's, he's such a phenomenon now. After his, his passing, he's yeah. such a big phenomenon now. He's getting all the credit. You're nobody to somebody kills you. That's real yeah. shit. He killed him. Diabetes. You know, he, he went out. Long story short, now he's a legend, right? Yeah. But back then, he had a, a cult following. Now it's even more bigger. But back then, you had to really fuck with comedy to fuck with him. Not mm -hmm. saying that. Or he wasn't fuckable with, but Kevin was a was a, a business. He was, you know, he's, yeah, he's mainstream. He's getting that These specials came out the same year. You feel me? Yeah, like these specials came out either the same year or like a year apart, kind of thing. So they, but they came out around the same time. But Kevin always had that little, you know, because of how he how he made social yeah. whatever. He has the big push, and Patrice, uh, he was starting to build that push, mm -hmm. and I was like, that's why I feel like this is such a. A thing for him because this is an actual special, right? You know, ha he has you know videos, Bits, yeah. But you know, and he has um, twenty minutes worth on, a, yeah. on, but like special special that he put out. Mm -hmm. 
That's why I, I'm considering it like Illmatic. You feel me? Because Nas could put out whatever, whatever, forever. Because he put out Illmatic. Yeah. In a sense. that I hope that was a good analogy, but... Damn, I so hope. We got to respect the coin flip? It's never too Man, late, Man, if bro. anything, bro, just don't get an answer from me. Uh, or nah, that's not how it shit. works. <sighs> you know what? I'm going to go elephant in the room. I'm going to listen to our bias. We both got the bias, and I think that that bias is there for a reason. Nah, I believe that. That's a fact. So I'm going to stick with the bias. We're going to trust our guts on this one. Fuck the coins. Fuck luck. Yeah. Fuck chance. And we're going to... Not the rapper, but fuck lady luck. And not the rapper either. And we're going to go with elephant in the room. Shout outs to Kevin, though. That yeah. Was, that was a good fight, bro. That was. That was probably one of the hardest ones to decide on, really. And we gave Patrice five to four minutes. No, no. Three to four minutes worth of a video. And yeah. So, we Kevin only got a minute and forty with that one joke. Yeah, with that one joke. But that's that's why I wanted that one joke because I feel like it encompassed everything I liked from his from his special. You feel me? Yeah. Like it captured everything well. Yo, so that that's that's a wrap, bro. Thanks for helping me fill out my bracket. I appreciate having you here. Thank you, bro. Before you go, um, gonna give you a chance to plug any upcoming shows you have. And the final question: Jay Z and Oz. Um, damn, bro. Yo, so I, I want to say Nas, just cause I I like that whole. Back then, when I found out, I felt like Jay was always more loved. You know, Nas gets his love, but gets his it's it's like a grittier love. Like, um, you gotta really listen to me to like me in a sense. And then Jay always had his, you know, shit on the radio, whatnot, whatnot, and whatnot. Um, but damn, bro, JB talking about some shit. That's the sh- <laughs> that's, that's a hard choice for me, bro. <laughs> Good. I'm glad you went undecided because if you would have yeah. just went full Nas, bro, you was never. I, you was never uh, talking again. Like, it'd be I'm, some I'm, ignorant shit to be real. Yeah, with you. I'm hove all day. Uh, uh, yo, I wanted to end this by giving shout outs to Michael Diaz, Juan Bago. Yes, shout out to Juan Bago. Love that dude, bro. Love that to dude, you, bro. Thank Amazing you. Amazing cat. Thank you for the uh, network. Yeah, man. Thanks for coming again, bro. We're almost done with this bracket. And your contribution was definitely necessary. Good luck, bro. I enjoyed my time, bro. And this podcast is fire, my brother. Well, be up, my G. Yes, sir.